and welcome to Women Who Love Jesus. My name is Kristen Stockfish and this is episode 18. You guys, my new friend Courtney Davis is joining us on the podcast today. I first heard of Courtney because I picked up her book, Leading Small Groups That Thrive, and was blown away by some of the things that she taught me through research and through her brilliant brain. So I know that you will just gain so much from this conversation, even if you're not in a small group right now through a church or through a ministry. There are people around you, and we talk so much about what that looks like even today in 2020 in the COVID-19 era, and I know that you will be blessed by this. So lean in to this awesome new friend of mine Maybe grab a pen and a paper, write down some notes, send it to some people that are in your small group with you, and I will see you on the other side. Courtney, hi. I want to know a little bit about you. So can you just start with who you are, where you live, who you live with, and kind of what takes up your days these days? Yeah. Um, So I'm Courtney Davis and um, my husband, Matt, and I, and our two boys, uh, age seven and five, Luke and Theo. Um, We live in Southern California, Glendora to be more specific. And we're here in part because the Lord's given me good work to do at Azusa Pacific University as an associate professor of communication management. I study small groups and organizations and love the opportunity. I think one of my life's callings, or at least the language I have presently, is that I love to coach, equip, and send people back into the world. Uh, And that's part of the great joy I had in writing a book this summer and uh, some of the coaching and consulting that I get to do as well. And so um, in my quote unquote spare time, uh, getting to run by myself in these days, uh, I don't like to run. I only like to have run because what I'm saying and uh, really enjoy mostly because I pair that with really loving to cook and to bake and uh, to get to watch some USC football here and there. I love that. I started running in 2020 because it just felt right for me to run away from my house, Courtney. Like everything everything about me was like, I've never run. I hadn't planned on being a runner, but if I can be by myself in quiet outside away from this place, I will do it. I'll do whatever it takes. Yes. So I, I understand that so completely. I love that. And I have actually read your book, Leading Small Groups That Thrive. And I want to know a little bit about where this came from in you, the passion specifically for small groups, because chances are that the listener has either been to a small group before, is currently in one, or maybe has heard about them. If they're listening to a podcast about Jesus, that probably means they're involved in a church or some other kind of ministry that has done small groups. And so we've all been to great ones and we've all been to really, really not great ones. And so tell, tell me a little bit about why you're passionate about this, why it matters to you. Yeah. I think that we've all sat in groups as as you just articulated that really are hit or miss. And as someone who is trained as a social scientist, and I think the Lord has given me an analytical mind, I'm really interested in what causes 
things to work and what causes things not to work. And so uh, when uh, my co-authors, Ryan and Jason, approached me, Ryan was at APU at the time. He's now at Colorado Christian. Jason is a small groups pastor in Eastview Christian Church at, in Normal, Illinois. Uh, and, and the three of us kind of got together and said, we would love to we would love to equip the church. How do we use what we have um, and the ways in which the Lord has gifted us and grown our skill set to grow people that that groups really are? I am the person I am in large part because of the people that have spoken into my life. And that happens absolutely because of community. And yet community is not well built. And there's not very many resources about how to do that well in that deep sort of way that I think that groups really can be. And so, you know, having, I think, grabbing hold of a vision theologically for what groups are supposed to be, and then trying to figure out how to take really willing servants. I, I used to say actually through the course of this book writing process, you know, that I was sort of writing this book for my husband. And he he's a web developer, graphic designer. For those of you who love the Enneagram, he's like a square four. Mm -hmm. And and the idea that he's leading a small group, you know, this is the beautiful part about the church is that it's made up of really willing servants. Yeah. And yet we we can and sort of are called to provide so much more than what we are innately gifted or skilled with. And so mm -hmm. how can we equip people like my husband? to facilitate groups where spiritual growth actually happens. Yes. And that was a vision that I could get behind. Uh, somebody once asked me, did you like the writing of the research better? I said, neither. It really fits into, it, it's really, I can do both. And so how do I present those gifts to the Lord and, and really serve people so that our church, so the local church can be what, what God really had intended for mm. community to be built, for people to bring their mess, and for us to wrestle together for the faith and for our pursuit of Jesus together. Yes, absolutely. I just reading through it, there were several things that stuck out to me. And you would even write in a way that was like, this is this is surprising to me. And I, I know that this doesn't make sense in our heads or based off of what we see. And I would love to know if there were any specific either pieces of research or discoveries that you made as a group or um, as authors in the midst of this that you, that surprised you, that you said, oh, wow, that, that is not, what I would have thought. That is no way what I would have thought. I can give you some of mine, but I would be really interested what yours were. Yeah. One of them that sticks out is about the purpose of the group. And so basically we asked small group leaders, what's the purpose of your group? Is it fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism? I think there was probably one more and I should probably know it. But I think that intuitive, I think our intuitive sense is that groups are for fellowship and discipleship. And in fact, a lot of churches would say discipleship is a cornerstone of their mission. Yes, 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 and yes. Yeah. But what we found was that the groups that were focused on things that were more outward facing actually contributed to individual spiritual growth for individuals far more than when they focused on it. So when they said it was fellowship and discipleship, the, those groups made fewer gains uh, mm -hmm. in spiritual growth than those who said, no, our mission is outward focused is engaged in some external purpose outside of ourselves and that was 
honestly confusing. I remember that call. Uh, so the three of us are, we were on Zoom calls before it was, I won't call it cool, before it was like commonplace. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, we basically have a weekly call for the last three and a half years. And I remember that one distinctly. And we all kind of said like, well, that makes sense, but it's so not what I think the church assumes. Yes. Yeah. And the more that we, the more that we process that, the more that we tried to figure out what that finding meant. I think a lot of this has to do that, that the things that draw people to groups, which is this notion of community is ultimately not always what people stay for. Yes. And I think that there's some really, really interesting nuances there, but you know, it, it, it's in, in other ways of putting it is this idea of a holy huddle. Yeah. We don't just need more people who love Jesus we actually need this group of people to move together and pursue something together and fellowship happens along the way. Oh my gosh. Uh, what I immediately think of is being an athlete and coming into a place like Arizona state and all of my teammates, not necessarily seeing eye to eye with them in any way, shape or form, but th we had a common goal and what we were going after was the same. And the, the friendships and the depth of community that we developed because of that was mind-blowing. In the same way that people join a running club or a cooking club or whatever else they're doing, the, the idea that there's something else that they're focused on builds community without even trying. And I think mm -hmm. that, is so, that was so interesting to me because I would say the same thing, that and there's probably, I'm thinking of the woman that's listening to this saying, if I'm not in a small group or if I'm not in community, I want to be in community because I need fellowship or I need to be discipled. Um, and so I'm going to go after that. And that's going to be the purpose of what, whatever group I'm going to join. And it sounds like the right answer really does. So it's just, it's mind blowing that I, I think I walked away from that thinking to myself, not just in small groups within a church setting, but in any kind of small group that I'm in, my family or uh, my neighborhood or whatever else that I'm involved in, is there a common focus that's not just getting to know each other that we can kind of pursue and go after? And so it was super challenging to me and I loved it. And that was one of my mind-blowing parts too that I, that I took away from this book. Were there any others? I think one that's related to that was the perception of conflict. And I think, you know, given 2020 and a whole lot of things that are happening in our world, that uh, if we think that we're there in groups for fellowship and discipleship, those we don't associate with conflict. Yes. And this idea that, uh, that groups, so we, you know, we surveyed both leaders and small groups, pastors, and the members in the group. And it was remarkable. And this is a very small, small finding, but this idea that, that an entire group would not necessarily agree on whether or not conflict had occurred in their group. Does that make sense? So wow. if you have a group of 12, there were maybe five people who said that 
conflict had happened in their group and seven that it said that it didn't, wow. it had not happened. And that's and conflict that I think right is, there. <laughs> that's a <problem>. <laughs> <laughs> So interesting. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, I think that there's something really important about establishing that community is not just that I want to be among people who love Jesus, like I love Jesus, yeah. but also that people love Jesus enough that they're willing to tell me there are things that are not lovely about me. Wow. <laughs> if that makes any sense. And, yes. and, and are willing, are, are we willing to push back? Are we willing to engage in conflict for the sake of our spiritual growth, for the sake of Jesus, that the Lord really is always at work in transforming us. And we can't expect to step into a group and be accepted as we are and be left to stay there. Yes. But indeed, to model Christ, to say, come as you are, and we have some work to do. Yes. And what a, what a beautiful invitation that is to do that in community. And, and I'm going to guess, like I have, when you've experienced the depth of rich biblical community, mm-hmm. you know it was fought for um, together. This yes. is not something that just happens there's messiness and brokenness and, and ugliness that we endure together sometimes between us, yeah. but because we hold fast to the gospel and we know that the other is holding fast to the gospel, we're willing to endure some awkward, difficult conversations and processes of transformation. Yes, because I think if we all just took a little bit of inventory back over our own spiritual life and our personal relationship with Jesus, what we will see in the seasons of intense growth was friction. And maybe that was just with him, or maybe it was with another person, or maybe it's just internally. But I, I think the idea that we could actually be refined to be more like Christ, to embody him more fully, and that wouldn't come with some kind of rub is probably, it's what we all want, but it's not possible. And so I love the idea that you guys are studying, not just like happy groups or groups that like, you know, everyone's smiling and pretending everything's okay, but we're, we want to go after the ones that thrive. And what that means is that they are okay with the conflict because the goal is spiritual growth and how we get there is maybe a little interesting and not what we would have expected, but what does it mean to look at someone that could say, honestly, I am not the same person who I was a year ago, yes. two years ago, because I'm in a community that isn't always like flowery, but it, but it is so good. It's so good because it has caused me to grow, to actually experience spiritual growth. That's so cool. Yes. Yes. And, and to even undergird that with the foundation that our faith is very tension filled, like the idea that we've been saved, but are, are not yet saved. Yes. The idea that we're supposed to engage in truth, but do that lovingly. There are so many tensions in our faith and yet we are not taught in the local church or we've not caught from, from really wise people or seen it modeled that conflict and tension is is actually foundational to our faith. Yes. It's not necessarily a, a, only an implication of the fall that then we want to avoid, but yes. is indeed part of the ways in which the Lord redeems us and is redeeming the world through difficulty and opposition. And he gets to display the unity of his church in the midst of that. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I feel like some of my favorite conversations both pointed at me with a mentor figure, but also on the opposite, like flip side of that, leading someone who may be a couple of years behind me walking with the Lord is just when there is tension and they're crying out because of how hard it is to celebrate that, even though that doesn't feel like maybe what we should be doing, but when it feels Mm -hmm. really hard and there is tension there, I I usually say I would be more nervous and I am nervous for the people that's like, oh yeah, walking with Jesus, like, I don't know, pretty, pretty easy, pretty, like, it's just going, going the way I would have expected. It's like, uh oh, <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know if we're That's really not doing the Jesus I've known. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. Okay. I love that. I want to know a, a little bit about what has changed in you, in your teaching, in just the way that you've approached even this conversation since. 2020 like how ironic that this is coming out when it is and it has come out when um when god obviously ordained it but what is is there anything that has changed or you have seen as like this has really worked when it comes to small groups that thrive in the midst of a worldwide pandemic like we have never seen as far as our lifetime is concerned yeah i think there's two things the first has to do with a very personal story with my husband. I think the second one has to do with, um, yeah, God's sovereign timing in releasing this book in the midst of a pandemic is the local church uh, is really, especially in California, but in lots of places around the world, the, the church doesn't look the way that it used to. Yeah. And to a degree, groups might be the church right now. Yes. Uh, that we have Sunday online gatherings and, you know, even in virtual spaces, I don't think the Lord is confined to walls or buildings or living rooms. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord can still use and, and is, but I think in the midst of all the things that have happened, the great hurt, the ways in which I think the pandemic and the quarantine has Uh, revealed some of the brokenness in us that existed before March, but we were able to cover for it or, uh, yeah, cope with it in different ways. I think it revealed brokenness in us and in the world around us, certainly the conversations on racial justice and presidential election and the divisiveness in our country. There has never been a greater time for us to lead groups that actually participate with the Lord in redeeming people and his world. And so loving neighbor, uh, looking outside of ourselves, certainly there are lots of brokenness and hurt to contend with it within our members. My husband and I lead a group on Wednesday night and uh, mostly mid mid to late twenties. And so there's a lot going on in their worlds. Mm. And also how do we together as a body uh, really look to how we can serve together. And that's been meaningful in, in a very deep way. You know, I think we've been careful not to exploit this as this is an opportunity to sell books, but I really can't imagine a time where we are looking to groups to actually deliver on its promise yes. more so this year than ever before. Yeah. I think it used to be a good thing to do. I think a lot of good Christians would say, this is what I'm supposed to do and I'm doing it or I did it and it was terrible, (laughs) or I'm doing it and it's hard, Um, Mm -hmm. but there's never been a better time to invest uh, and to really 
yeah, contribute, figure out what are the things that contribute to people growing closer to Jesus in a time where we need Jesus more than ever. Yep, absolutely. And I think the second part would be, it's been, you know, as someone who has a PhD and studies small groups and organizations, you know, I, I know how to lead a small group and I think we have, um, we've done that well together uh, for the last couple of years, but it was super humbling, as you can imagine, to have my husband read the book, um, but also so exhilarating, and for him to feel like he has ownership, and has a has a guide to know what to do, and, and that is, some of his hunches were right, and some of them he was surprised by, and and gosh, a very funny conversation, Kristen, but um, Matt, this is name that goes, yeah, I I always thought it was just because you were assertive that at the beginning of the group, you just gave a lot of direction. It just seemed like it was overkill. And I thought that was a personality thing that you just take control. But you, I just read in the book that I was thinking that I wrote, um, but <laughs> I just read in the book that there's actually a reason for why you do that. <laughs> it's like, yes, there is because people need predictability. They yeah. are always asking questions about who they are when they step into a group. And so it's been really fun to see my husband step so much more confidently into the leadership role. That has been a great joy to do really in a different level of partnership in this particular small group. And I'm grateful for a really healthy marriage that we've worked hard at and the Lord is so blessed, but also specifically in leading this group of people, it's been really fun to see him step more confidently into that role. Yes. And just a really good word for the person listening that has had it on their heart to lead, or maybe their church has even come to them or some ministry they're involved in, or a neighborhood has come to them and said, Hey, will you lead this? And they're just so apprehensive because that might not be what they think is their exact lane or skill set. And it's, it's awesome. And so it's just so cool to me that you could give them this book. They could pick up this book and feel very equipped exactly how they are. Not here's a book that in all the ways you have to change in order to be a leader, but here's a book that will give you such confidence to be yourself and lead a small group that actually can thrive. So that's, that's the coolest that you get to see that firsthand with your husband too. And I'm sure yes. in the same way you get to um, just be refined yourself that there's so much, even in all of your studying and all of your writing and researching, there's probably things that you are continually growing into. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And certainly part of that is knowing when not to leave. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, but also so good and right. And yes, and, and to the person who listens and is, you know, thinking about starting a group or has hesitation about it, to know that that the church is built on really willing servants and mm -hmm. and that we are, yeah, we get opportunities to invite broken, hopeful people to gather together. And that vision is one that the church is meant to invite everyone into leadership. Yes. And I'm not a everyone should be a leader thing, but the body really does require and really does thrive when um, each person plays the part that they've been asked to play. So yeah. come, go, yeah. do. Yes. <laughs> and there's really nothing special about a lot of us 
Um, and, you know, I, I do hope that the book equips and gives confidence to and, and really allows people to be sent into those places yeah. um, a little bit more confidently. Yes. I want to ask a little bit about, because of both your time beforehand, I'm sure you were spending a lot of time with the 20 something age range, but because of what you do currently and the group that you're leading with your husband on Wednesday nights now, I want to talk a little bit specifically about that demographic. I have such a heart for them. I know that the pandemic is hitting people in different ways, but the conversations I've had with my friends um, who are in that season of life, the 20 something, maybe still in college. And that looks way different than they thought or post-grad or maybe just starting work, dating, married, all of the different things that come in our twenties. I would, I would just wonder Courtney, what you think about that specific age, what, where are the, the pain points and what, what have you seen just kind of firsthand when it comes to community be life-giving for them in this specific season because it's so unlike anything that we've lived through before. Yeah, I think the specific season, and maybe this is not specific to that demographic, but I think I'm seeing it in that, in the 20s demographic is that all the, like I said earlier, like the brokenness that was apparent before or that they had inklings of is all the more apparent. So yes. I, you know, to, to understand and to wrestle with your singleness, well, that surely feels a lot more, you feel so much more single yeah. in this season Totally. Uh, when you're a newlywed. And I don't know that there's any marriage that there's a sweet, sweet, sweet season. I think there's always a refining season in our marriages and we're becoming more Christ-like because of the people that the Lord has put into our homes and into our lives. And, but, but I think marriage is all the more challenging and sanctifying and um, our, our work, I think that they're, especially as 20s are in, you know, sort of just getting their start on their career. There's a lot of questions about whether or not this is how we're supposed to be spending our lives. And, and I hope, and, and maybe this is again, not specific to the generation, but, uh, but I hope the 20s especially really get to decide what is most important because I think we're being forced to. So how do we steward our work? How do we steward our relationships? Uh, I, I think that we're probably seeing far fewer people than we were back in March. And so our communities, I'm hoping they're deeper, even if they're not more numerous in number. Yeah. Uh, and, and how do we decide? And gosh, I really hope, Kristen, I mean, this is like a lowercase v vision, but kind of have a vision that this generation of believers would actually be a different generation because they experienced the, the pandemic in their yeah. 20s. Yes. And what would happen if they were more purposed and more diligent and more content in being before the Lord, not just doing for the Lord? And yeah, could they be more whole people because they spent more time with the Lord mm -hmm. um, in isolation, in deeper conversations, though not more numerous? Yes. And less small talk, yes. more deep processing, and might they be changed because of it? Yeah, wow. That I get excited about. Totally, like really excited about. You know, I, I think twenty years ago, you know, I was a freshman in college twenty years ago, and and to think about the ways in which that season formed me, and uh, to imagine these 
20-somethings uh, 10 and 20 years from now? Do their families look different because they're more whole? Yeah. Do their, does their work, um, do they pursue meaningfulness in their work because they know it can't be found outside of or that there, there's, no, there's no objective meaningfulness to particular professions, but because they, they decided with the Lord that this is exactly where they're supposed to be. Yes. Uh, do they invest in the local church because they realize that that was something they took for granted before mm-hmm. COVID? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you know, there's just, uh, um, somebody has said, probably someone very smart <laughs> said, mm-hmm. and I caught it somewhere, but, but never waste a good crisis. Mm-hmm. And... Yes. And I think that that's a, that's a good gift. We're not just supposed to survive this and then go back to who we were. I think yeah. even that phrase, go back. Um, but in fact, I think we're learning what our communities are made of. I think we're recognizing, um, yeah, the brokenness in our parenting and the brokenness yeah. in, our, in our work and the challenges and, and the daily fight uh, mm-hmm. to contend for the faith in what used to be, honestly, something taken for granted. Yes, uh, and so, gosh, I, yeah, I'm not quite sure if I answered the question. Yeah, Krista, no, you but totally I, did. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, really excited about that. Yeah, there's a lot of hope there, and I hope that the the woman in her 20s that is listening to you is getting as excited about that because I'm just I'm hopeful, Courtney, that this is a generation that will be forced to know how to feed themselves spiritually, that it will, that it will be more up to them than it was ever up to me to have to be the one that is okay with just me and Jesus and just me and my Bible. And can we grow, of course, like with the people around us and the groups that we need and the accountability that we need and the purpose that that brings into our lives and the growth that that brings. But it excites me to think that when everything is paired back and it really is just you at home and you're desperate, you learn, you just have to learn how to be with Jesus. And yes, is there's nothing like that. Like there is nothing that will equip anyone more for life, for marriage, for friendships, for work, than being able to confidently say, when I am just me before the Lord, like I, I not I know what to do in the sense of like a ABC equals D kind of method, but just I am confident that if it was just me and Jesus or just me and my Bible, that I would be okay. And that, that would be, that would just be so cool to see the fruit that would, that might come from that. So, um, I, I just want to kind of close Courtney by asking about the woman who has never been more lonely in her life. Like she is listening to this and has like very far away, distant memories of any kind of community at all, but really, and especially anything that was thriving. And she's so paralyzed almost by how isolated she feels that she doesn't even know what the next step is. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she's taken a couple and it's led to nowhere. And she's probably just really discouraged. And so yeah. would you just speak to her in, in the sense of like, <laughs> I know that you know, 
to a certain extent where she's where she's at and we all do because of the collective grief that we're carrying in the midst of this season but i would i would love for you to just speak to her that's almost so just so close to giving up on the idea that she could find community that is the way that you are speaking about that is for her or that it's possible yeah the lord sees you um, the Lord sees you, and I think that that is a remarkable gift um, from the early, very early pages of Genesis, that he's a God who sees and that he's sufficient for you. And in that sufficiency, as you, as you experience that isolation, um, I guess I, I would pray. May I pray, Kristen? Just like, mm-hmm. pray that the Lord would... Um, open her eyes to see who he is putting in her way. And it might be someone unexpected, um, someone who doesn't look like what community might uh, be depicted as, but maybe it's a neighbor across the street or it is the grocery store clerk or the person who is the mail carrier who comes by your house every day. Um, For us, sometimes it's a trash truck driver because I have little boys. (laughs) Um, but But to know their name. And, you know, this is, these are, uh, I'm, yeah, hesitant to say even the word unprecedented, but mm-hmm. the Lord sees you. The local church is mm-hmm. to be the place where you find it. And so, I, I mean, I remember I was in my 20s. Uh, I just moved to Santa Barbara, a place that I know is close to your heart as mm-hmm. well. And, uh, and I knew nobody in the city um, and had had a situation uh, at home that I had, I, I just didn't know who to turn to. I had really good college friends, but I was in this new city. And I literally just called the church office and said, can you please, is there an older woman who loves Jesus that would have coffee with me? Oh, Courtney, and, I love that so much. And you know what? I'm grateful to the Lord that that, that some uh, a kind woman came and met me. I don't know if you remember the coffee shop was called Finestra before it was Janine's. Yeah, oh, um, yes. oh, and she met me for coffee and said, you need to get into this Bible study. Um, I've already told her you're coming and just take a Bible and, sh- and it happens on Thursday night. And I tell you, that was just the beginning. And so to know that, that the church is, is an extension of who Christ is, that we are together, the body, and that you have something to offer as well. Um, that yes, it's good to acknowledge need and that posture before the Lord is so good um, to know your need before Christ, but also to know that you have gifts that, um, that others need from you and to recognize that, that, they're, that the body is hurting because you're not a part of it. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Man, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm just going to say amen to all of that. And I just, I love the idea that most likely you're listening to this podcast on a device and you can pause it right now and just look up where the closest church is or the church that you're currently involved in or a part of and just call <laughs> and say, who is an older woman that loves Jesus? I just need someone to talk to and mm-hmm. that, that they exist and they're, they are right where you are and how seemingly easy that is because there's someone that loves the Lord that has most likely felt exactly what you're feeling and would love to point you in the direction of just encouragement, whatever that looks like next. So 
Yes. And I bet you I'm not going out too far on a limb, but find Kristen and be on Instagram. We'll yes. You do that. Yes. We would love, love, love to. And I, I think that in a lot of ways, what I've been, what I've been praying in this season is just for the creativity of God when I'm slow enough in my like cadence of my everyday life, I will notice just in his creation, mostly just his vast creativity and how he designed things, how he designed people, how he designed trees, whatever it is. And I just, I'm thinking constantly, God, you are so massively creative and you can give us that same kind of creativity when it comes to connection and when it comes to community in this very season. And so give us that God, things that we haven't thought of in the same way that I read this book and I was like, man, I have never thought of that. It's just a, it's a little drop in that bucket of like, this is a resource that is proof of God's creativity in the ways that it is changing the way I think about community. And so there are so many great resources, but you also have a God that is so available to you to just bestow upon you, all of us, the, the creativity that he is, that's just unmatched when it comes to what to do next. So. Oh, can I share like one more thing? Yes, please. I listened to Nancy Guthrie. She was on a podcast, Knowing Faith with Jen Wilkin and JT English and Kyle Worley. And she was talking about Genesis 1-2 about, about being um, empty, like the, the world was empty, formless, and mm. dark. And this idea of empty, uh, and, and maybe this goes along with this idea of like isolation, but the creativity of God is connected to that because empty, formless, and dark was not bad. It actually oh. was ripe for God's filling okay. and fruitfulness. And that, oh, Kristen, that has totally shaped so much that that in this world and as we experience the world in our fallen state this idea that empty and void is not bad but is actually ripe for god's filling and fruitfulness Hmm. is a gift and a truth that i i cannot grow weary of oh wow that's amazing Okay. Yes. That is a perfect way to just kind of end. I I usually will ask Courtney, just whoever it is that I get to talk to, um, to pray at the end of our time together. So we're, there's much to be in prayer for, but I think just what you have touched on is so kind of perfect in, in the way that we can ease into that. So would you just pray for the listener um, as we close our time tonight? Yeah, Lord, we are grateful um, to be called yours. We are grateful that you are who you say you are and that we um, are invited to participate with you in redeeming the world, that you are restoring us day by day and that we are growing because of your grace. Because of your Holy Spirit, we're growing more and more into the image of your son. Thank you that you are growing us in Christ-likeness. And I pray out of, um, out of Hebrews 10 that, um, that we would consider how um, to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, remembering that he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We pray, Lord God, that you would go before us today, that you would open our eyes to see uh, the work that you are doing. We're grateful, Lord, to be in your service, that you've indeed delivered us, and for that we are eternally grateful. And we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. guys do not just love Courtney Davis so much as we chatted a little bit more I only grew to love her because she is a willing servant just like she talked about that the church is made up not of perfect people not of people that are overly qualified but just willing servants that was a good thing to be reminded of for me today and I hope it was for you too wherever you find yourself in a small group longing for a small group or maybe in the middle of one that you either love or that just is a little bit tricky right now. I am praying on this side of the microphone that you will find true and authentic community. So maybe you can sense there's a little bit of a theme happening in the last few episodes on this podcast, but because especially of the cultural moment that we're in right now, I want to talk about community and I want that to be something that we are active praying for and seeking God for. We will not be sorry when we do life in a real way with the people around us. So be blessed today, guys. I love you and cannot wait to be with you next time.